Hi, I'm John Kerwin. Welcome to my podcast, Open Minded, the show all about mental well-being. Each episode, I interview experts and thought leaders to bring you the latest developments in the world of mental well-being. My guests talk about their personal well-being journeys and how they look after the well-being of themselves and their teams. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. Payback, people. I am so looking forward to today because uh, Robbie Hicks and Lachlan Bradford uh, did a podcast with me. I don't know how long ago it was now, boys, but they are Funny Business and the Wellbeing Network. Their shows focus on making business content more fun and share our mission at Groove of making better well-being work a reality. Um, like I said, I was a guest. Uh, I've caught up with the boys a few weeks ago in Melbourne. They're doing some real good shit. And uh, I just thought I'd start by saying, boys, tell me about the inspiration. Where did all this start? Well, Serge AK, thanks so much for having us on board. Uh, we're absolutely stoked to be here. And ever since we met, we felt that connection and vibe with you, mate. Honestly, beforehand, we were like, we never had a sir on the podcast. What do we do? We're, we're a bit nervous, mate. Yeah. You made us nervous. And yeah. it's just to catch up in person and hear you love surfing and you're out at the wave pool regularly down there and getting the, making some moves, get, catching some waves. We're stoked to be here. And I know, funny business, though. Yeah. Where it started, you've got to... You think it was just because we needed some friends? We needed some friends. Honestly, I was, I was uh, striving for the connection, uh, Serge AK, and uh, we thought a podcast might be good. Now, nah, but in all honesty, the podcast and that journey sort of uh, began um, just when the pandemic sort of hit. I think it was April, wasn't it? And we were just sort of like, we've lived together and we've uh, been friends for years and we've started all different types of businesses before that. So uh, we sort of knew each other like the back of our pockets, didn't we? Yeah, didn't it was we? one of those things where it was like, we knew we'd done our business before. We'd tried it and experimented doing a couple of other things where we thought we might have different ventures together. And um, I can't even remember the finger on the pulse moment for us starting the podcast, but what really kicked off as a, a LinkedIn project. So I, um, at, at the time, I was working at uh, Property Exchange Australia, PEXA, working with their technology and product teams, helping them deliver mar- products to market. And Locke was working as a tech recruiter. So for us... Being um, being in that in that space, we thought let's go and have a crack and do something. So we started Funny Business with no idea of where it would lead or where it would take us, thinking we might do one episode at a time or two episodes or something like that. And um, what turned out is that we built this amazing community, met people like yourself, and it opened up a lot of doors and opportunities for us to quit our jobs, start something brand new, and uh, really change our lives. So the thing I love about uh, the both of you is you were really upfront straight away, especially about the mental health and well-being side. So not only did you have the courage to, to throw away secure jobs, and no matter how boring, man, they're still secure, you know what I'm saying? Um, takes a lot of courage. But you also had the courage to start talking about mental well-being straight away. What was that? I think for us... I, being my background, um, straight out of school, I, I played professional sports, played AFL. So for those listening over in, in Kiwiland, played uh, Australian rules, Aussie rules footy, played for Richmond Footy Club. Grew up as a kid, always wanted to have, be a sports person. That was my dream, that was my aspirations to go and be a professional athlete. I felt like the carpet sort of got ripped out from underneath me and had a decision point to make about where do I want to go with my life? Do I go and chase the dream and go and be semi-professional and try and get back in the door? Or do I go and go to uni and try and find a job and set up a new career and find some new interests? And for me, that was always something that I really, really struggled with. And I had my own um, mental health demons attached to like self-worth and identity. And uh, coming on, like fast forward to that, I, I had a pretty bad knee injury playing like local footy at my um, the club I played, grew up as a junior playing. And uh, I guess I lost a lot of that thing where I did my ACL, PCL, MCL at the same time, have had multiple surgeries. I've got um, nerve pain and numbness throughout my leg. And that was like a moment that I'd already lost the, the career aspect where I didn't get where I wanted to go. And then I was still learning to enjoy sport for fun, but I was still learning to change my life and focus on business and had this traumatic injury, which left me in like leg brace and screws and shit for the best part, like I and I was living with him, and he had the little bowel out, and he, he was going. He didn't have the bowel, but we were. Going, oh, I want some food. Like, I can't cook. Uh, right. at, at that point, it's funny, J.K. Like Locke and I, when we started, funny, like we've been living, we've been mates for a long time. We moved out of home together, lived together. 
Um, when Locke met his now his still partner, Tarles, um, and I met my now wife, Em, we actually lived, all four of us, together in a house uh, for multiple years. And so we've done, like, we've been as close as anything. So we've seen the ups and downs that people have and had in our life. And you were going through it. You were going through it then, yeah. So when we've done, I guess, working in the tech side of things, and, we're, like, it's a massive staff where employee experience or how do you attract and retain the right type of people, everyone sort of floats these ideas of mental health days and, like, they, they give you a little bit of something, but they're not actually ever fixing the causation or the problem that's, that's occurring and why this stuff's coming up. So for us, we're passionate about, I think unhappiness comes from being stuck in something that you don't know what value you're providing. You don't know what you, how, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis makes a difference to the bigger picture. And the, I guess some of the purpose behind funny business is just trying to inspire people to find a new way of doing things. Find and Your way. Find your way. Find yeah. the things that make sense for you and... I think that we've, it's been cool having a community of like people now reach out to us and we've got to see people now, we've done the pod for over two years and having convos with people back two years ago and now seeing how far they've come and how, hey, I've listened to your stuff and I've gone and changed my life or I've got a new job or I've started my business. And for us, like, that's that real purpose stuff, which I never had in my job. I, I like doing my work every day now because I know that I'm, I can see the help that I'm making and it's been a challenging thing because starting a business it's not like it's funded well it's a startup it's the podcast and the media thing we're doing we're self-funded we're bootstrapped so trying to juggle that ah, it's nice to help people but you also got to pay the bills has been an interesting dilemma hasn't it yeah I think so and being a founder there's just so many uh things that you have to do like you're responsible for a lot of things especially at this stage where we're at at the moment so just drawing from our own experience, I think talking about that on our podcast helps other founders who listen to know that they're not the only people going through the shit. You know, like everyone sees the bells and whistles and the end product on what we sort of put out there. But I think we like to show, our aim is to show that the warts and all and things are really hard and that's the connection piece. Well, that's the first thing that stood out in our chat. If people go back and listen to our podcast that we originally released on Funny Business, you kicked off the podcast and you were just so yeah. raw and honest and you kicked it off with... Yeah, I was at a hotel in room in yeah. Argentina, and I was thinking about committing suicide. And we were like, "Fuck!" Yeah, he's sharing. He's being so honest and real. And I think that realness resonates. And there's not enough of that in the world at the moment. And I, I love, I love what you preach. And I love Groove, and I love the work that you guys are doing because it's real. Now, I want to talk to you about uh, the realness of your relationship because I think. Um, you know, you guys go way back and it's often hard for men to establish that deep relationship more so than, oh, all good, bro, let's go and have a beer. You know, let's talk some shit, let's talk some footy, let's talk whatever, uh, but we're not going to talk about our feelings, bro. So how, how have you guys actually managed to stay so close and what do you think the fundamentals are for us males out there to create a, a, a relationship where you can live together you know, you live with your partners together, you can work together. I mean, what are the secrets, boys? What sort of tips can you give us? I think living together, we do have that directness about us. Like we have that, <laughs> that sort of, if there's an issue, we sort of like to nip it in the bud. I think from my perspective, I can, I just know I couldn't do it without him with what we're building. So it's, it's almost like I get to that point. It's like, I know I need him and I know he needs me and we respect each other. And I feel like having them open conversation, like, I just think by starting to have them, like I was never one to sort of shut off emotions, but I probably wouldn't give as much as like I would, you know, like opening up being real vulnerable. But I feel like me and you are just, we know every little thing about our lives. Pretty much there's no sort well, of... Well, it takes time to yeah. build. It takes, takes time to build rapport. It takes time to build trust. And I think that we've done that over many years. And I, I echo Locke's statement. I come from a pretty like staunch Aussie family, like Aussie that not really like mm. shut up, go to work, be tough. Move like, on. Move on. That was sort of mm. how we grew up. That was the era. Like, especially going mm. to play footy in the year that I did back in 2010, 2011. It was a transition yeah. of, of the old school mentality of be tough and be this versus I never felt like I fit into that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, never. I, but part like, of the footy scene and stuff. It's, but it's not, yeah. a lad, not lad culture. I always was more like I like, I like playing sports and I like team camaraderie and I like achieving team success and I love competing. But I also still am really interested in other stuff. And I think where we've built that relationship is and where other blokes struggle is they get sucked into that lad culture where they want to have heaps and heaps of friends rather than having like a closer circle of people that they really trust that they can rely on. And that's where that realness comes in. Because 
I can still be friends and, and friendly with people all the time, but I don't need to have a thousand conversations going on that are all surface level. I'd rather have a smaller circle and, and be honest with the people and treat them like family. I think it just becomes exhausting. I think the more mature you get, the more you just want to dwindle down that stuff and just be more open and actually have that support because life's hard and I think it's so important to have the right people around you I feel so lucky and blessed to have an awesome family and a close group of friends but for a lot of people for some people they might not have as much or have them luxury so I feel like it is so important to find them them few people that support you and have your best interests at heart you just got to sort of find find them and put yourself out there I think one of the best things anyone's ever said to me was I think it was my high school teacher Mr Cameron and he said uh, he just goes, you just don't go to the beat of everyone's drum. And that's what I didn't want to do. Like, I, I, was, I wanted to be friends with everyone. I didn't want to exclude anyone. And if I didn't feel like that was right and the cool crowd were doing it, I wouldn't do it. And that's how I sort of saw myself and saw how I wanted to be as a person. So that's something that the teacher did teach me at school. Hey, well done, mate. Yeah, thanks, Well mate. done. You learned yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Cameron, give him a bloody shout-out. Hey, listen, uh, uh, you mentioned something before, which I thought was really interesting you inspire people to make sure they know the value that they're providing and doing what they want. So a question for both of you, what value do you think you're providing to your relationship as mates? And then what value and how do you identify the value and identify that in your business together? Because it would need to be different, right? So I think that Locke and I from a business, I'll start with the business one because it's easier. We have complementary skill sets. Locke's a people person. He's a connector. He plays like the front of the house for our business. He, taught, he leads the community. If we were a restaurant, he'd be the person at the front meeting all the guests, bringing them in, telling them what the specials are, making them feel nice and giving them the best experience. And I'm at the back helping figure out what's the strategy behind what we're doing, what are the, what's the game plan we need to play. And I think that because we do have – we're very, very different, and I think that's one of the things that drew us as mates as well. I remember one of the first times – I um, lot come around to my, my family house and, and met my family. He was wearing leopard pants with fucking big hole-proof explorer socks and boots and this big trench coat, and he's got his bald noggin out. And he's just always been out there. And for someone like me who's reasonably conservative, I was attracted to someone who could bring, bring me out of my shell. At the time, I was struggling with some mental health stuff and I was lacking in my own self-confidence. And for Locke, he talks about beating at his own drum. I've always been attracted to someone who... He does. He lives in his own world in a nice way. Sometimes that's a positive. Sometimes that could be a negative. But <laughs> something he, to talk about. It's, yeah. it's it's different. He doesn't he doesn't pander to anyone else's doing. And I I've always been attracted to that. So for and me, that's the, the opposite for me too. I, I like the fact that Rob allows me uh, the time and space to to get creative and to be myself. And I just don't feel like I've ever got that from anyone else. And that brings out the best in me. And I need that structure and I need that support in terms of the game plan because. You can't do everything, and I, it's true. It, well, it's yeah. like team sports, JK. Like you can't. Not everyone plays the same position, but all positions are important in a team game. And so for us, I think that we're lucky that from a business perspective, we have complementary skills. But from a friendship perspective, we have very similar core values. We're grown up, brought up by similar family values. We care about the same things. We're invested in each other from a friendship and a life point of view. and We're very I, open. And, it's too lovey-dovey at the moment. Yeah, but I, do, yeah. I do see him a bit like a brother. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, I think the, the, the point I'm trying to get to, guys, and I'll probably come back to you, Lockie, like, um, was there a moment where you wanted to conform or society was trying to make you conform and you just went, stuff it? And if, if, how do you help people to be themselves, because I think it'd be one of the biggest issues in this world, right? Yeah. Having the courage to actually be yourself, whatever that is. Yeah. One thing that's always sort of stood out to me was when I was working hospitality and other people could sort of come and act a different way and they sort of got away with being themselves because they just were so honest and, and open and upfront. And that's where I was sort of attracted to. And you're right. It's funny. It's ever since starting the pod and, and, and putting myself out there, putting ourselves out there, you become kind of like a lighthouse where other people who feel the same way about like a bit curious and like, this can't be all, all this is. Like, there's got to be more. I want more responsibility. I think I want more out of life. So I think having the podcast and talking about it openly and honestly and, and sort of having the people, people in the community listen in and, and have them conversations with us, I think that's, that's something that just still blows my mind, to be honest. But you don't give a, I think the, the, one of the hardest parts that I've seen, one of the learnings I've had from you, Locke, is... It's you can't listen to too many other people's opinions, especially being 
like here in Australia, it feels like there's a lot of like tall poppy syndrome. People try and do things differently. Mm. It's like, oh, they're doing something different. Let's cut them down. Let's do something yeah. else. Whereas I, I really respect that you don't, you haven't listened to that feedback. You're willing to do your own thing because yeah. that's your identity. That's what makes you happy. But that's what I feel like. That's the most attractive part for me was to like, pick bits of different interests that I'm interested in and put it into one. And that I love the fact that it's not, it's totally different to everyone else and everyone's got their own thing. That's what I think's the the cool part. And, and that's what I want it to, how to make it shine for myself, you know? So I don't know. It's just been awesome. Cause I think, yeah, the more you talk about it, the more it resonates with people. And I just, it's the same thing in school. I just looking out there going, I can't be, is this the options that are laid out for me? There's, there's got to be more and what we're doing now, there's no real blueprint. Like the, no. people have done similar things and done different things, but I feel like every day is a challenge because it's like, I kind of feel like we're explorers, you know, like we're going into new land all the time and meeting these new people and it's sort of keeping us on edge and Fresh. keeping us ready. Yeah. The other interesting thing back to you, Robbie, that I really want to dig a little bit deeper in and cause I think they're not dissimilar for you either, Lockie, because be, having the courage to be yourself, don't underestimate that, firstly, because I think all of us live a lie sometimes. But the other thing you said, Rob, which re like, really resonated with me, part of my mental health issues w were um, attached to how I played. So, you know, there's probably more of you than there are of successful AFL or rugby union or rugby league guys that put all their cards into that. So how did you actually come to grips with failure? How did you come to grips with actually, look, I'm not... I'm actually someone, I'm not, like, I, if I played well, mate, I had a great week. If I played like shit, I had a shit week. I mean, how did you actually go through the process of detaching that? It, it actually, it, I look back now and I got drafted at the end of 2009, my first season 2010. We're now 12 years since my first year there. And I, I can safely say it's, it took me nearly a decade to get past that stuff where I dealt with a lot of things. I had a lot of, like, I would follow trains of thoughts and try to understand why I'm feeling this way. And I couldn't, I couldn't put my finger on the trigger of what, of what was causing me to feel so upset and frustrated. And like, there was elements of grief and loss attached with th things that I wanted to be doing. And then having an injury that took away, even at, at 24 or whatever it was when I had the injury, in the back of my mind, I always thought that I would still had enough time up my sleeve to go back and have another crack once I'd sorted my financial and business life out. I could go and get a degree, I could get a job. And if I wanted to go back and have another crack, I'd still have that opportunity open to me. When that sport door closed and like I haven't, like I don't have normal function in the, like I run, I can, I can semi run, but my legs move like a baby horse. Tell me horse. every day you can run. You know, oh, it moves right. like a baby horse. They're not in rhythm anymore. And my thing, I'm five foot nine, JK. Like my thing was speed. My thing was speed. My thing was speed. Like yeah. I, I had a choice where um, prior to playing footy, like athletics and, and footy were my, my two activities. My, um, my younger cousin, shout out, we're doing shout outs today. My young cousin yeah. Brody actually just qualified for the Australian athletics team to go run 400 meters. So my uncle was an Australian uh, 400 meter champion. Like I had a lot, my family loves sport. So the attaching my self-worth thing as a kid, I grew up going, I want to win. I was successful. I had lots of accolades and I felt like the, the, At the Christmas party, talking to the town, how's footy? How's this? How's this? Yeah. It, was, it was a thing. And then the, the moment, the part that really was a struggle for me was I didn't realize how much of like, there was no support. And for me, I had to realize I wasn't that special. And that's a hard thing for, to be, to comprehend as someone who has always felt special because they've done interesting things. That opportunity, that stuff disappeared from my life. And the going out and being around social people or getting access to health treatments and stuff because I'm not on a list anymore. No one's paying for all the things that I'm going through. Like, they just disappeared. So I think a lot of, I had a lot of friends that tried to get back in the system. They're fighting, they're doing like working shitty jobs, but they're trying to play semi-professionally to get back on the list and each to their own. That's, that's their journey. That's what they wanted to do. And I made a really, looking back now at 21 or whatever it was, I made a big call. I said, well, fuck that. I think it's only a 5% chance I could make it back in. I look at the Richmond footy club now and my first years was in the same time. I had like 12 of the people who played in that three peat flag were all the people that I was there at the list with. So seeing them achieve great success and me being broke, injured, still scrambling to get a job and find things that I had to just learn to accept my reality. And that's a thing that I don't think a lot of people like to do because one, they, don't, they can't practice self-awareness or self-reflection enough where they're honest with themselves. And me, the hard part was my reality was, was not ideal, but I've just owned it now and I've, I've moved forward based on 
I can see purpose and passion in what we're doing now and I feel like it's given me a second life. It's given me a second career where I can go and put my skills to use and try and be good at something, but not because I'm trying to be good at something for someone else. I want to be good at it for myself. So a question for each of you, because I think um, really different personalities, but you're talking about stuff that I believe our um, teenagers need to hear. So like for you, um, how would you, what, what advice would you give to someone to just be themselves, no matter what that is, if they're just hiding a, a behind a little bit of a persona, and then you can go straight into yours, Rob, if you want. Like, what would you, what would you say to your younger self not to waste ten years? How would you short circuit that? I think a big thing for me. I think I was like sixteen or seventeen. I went on a long walk and I thought about all the stuff that I was interested in, what I wanted to do with my life, and I was like, that's so cool that I have all these different interests and I can just be that one person of this and. I fell in love with, I wanted to Frankenstein myself and then frame it. You know what I mean? Like this is all the cool stuff that I like and I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be like that. I want to act like that. That is me. You know what I mean? And take it. And I just think having that honesty and just being so open, people are forgiving. Like people, I think like my personality is, I just, you need to be aware of like who you are as a person, I think. Cause I think there's like, you're not like me, you know, and, and I respect and appreciate your perspective, you know, and I, I like to see myself as like open. Mm. You know, where, I, where other people are different. But that's why I think it's good. It's complimentary, especially doing a podcast, because we can sort of hit different people who are in and the same can sort take, of thing. And they yeah. can take what they want from yeah. How yeah. I, I would go back and just say, at the end of the day, I, I think I did a lot of things where it was not to please others, but I thought it was the right path to do. But I don't think I really thought enough about what I wanted to do. Like, I, I, I still really think of, like, sport and... I'm sad that I don't like sport the way I used to as a kid because I loved I loved that as an activity. Enjoyment, yeah. But I saw it as a profession because yeah. I had I had the luxury of thinking that I could tackle a sport of choice and go down a professional pathway. So I always saw it as a vehicle for a different life. So I, I would just more advice for myself to go back ten years. You are you're you're a smart dude. You've got lots of skills you can apply in different ways. You don't need to be wrapped up into success as as the 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 thing that makes up your self-worth you're more than that frankenstein yourself i mean we, you should probably register that right that oh, is i was gonna think because i was just like there's all these different things yeah yeah but i i think it's a really cool um saying because when you think about frankenstein but then you think about frankensteining yourself so articulate that for me so that people are listening go, okay, what does that mean for me? I think taking all the different elements of what you're interested in and what you're passionate about and all your values, wrapping them all up into one and sort of seeing yourself as like this package of like, I'm the only person that, that is, I'm the only single person in the world that I can make myself feel a little bit special and I want to show it off. Like frame yourself is more around like, be, live that, live what you, live what you want to do, be that way, act that way. Um, and I don't know, it's always sort of been a, a, a guiding sort of light. But I just think, like, you, you're interested in so many different things. You know, that's what makes people cool. That's what makes them interesting. That's what makes them you, – you might not know. I saw your house in the uh, Bay of Plenty or whatever that was, looking at all the views and decorating the house. You've got other interests. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's leaning into yourself and leaning into your curiosity. I start with curiosity. Like, that's, that's something – if I'm interested in something, I just want to go down that sort of rabbit hole and, and, and sort of see where that goes. But – Having them different elements, I don't feel like it ties me down to one thing. You know, it sort of ties. I've got all these different sort of things going on, so I'm, I'm, I can fill my cup up with all these different elements, you know, and balance it out that way. What What about that? So values versus ability. You know, you've got some young people out there. They they're going to start their own business. But tell me, because when I asked you before about values, you you came back with, oh, this is what you know, Locke's good at. This is what I'm good at. But were they values or were they abilities? And how do you distinguish between the both? Because someone said to me the other day, I thought it was a really cool saying, you know, you're uncomfortable when your actions don't marry up with your values. But how do you actually, you know, do people, how do you get to your values and why, why should they matter? So, so this is an exercise we did with the Wellbeing Network about why do we exist? What are we here to do? And how can we do, how can we wrap it up in a way that people can get along uh, can resonate with our message and resonate with our journey and we called it the well-being way so for us we said that 
Uh, it was around be better, do good, have fun. Be better for us was around continuous improvement. It was around growth mindset. Do good was about doing good work. It was about doing good by others. It was about feeling good about yourself. Mm. And then the have fun element for us was around work doesn't need to be too serious. Life doesn't need to be too serious. YOLO. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I think that a lot of people bring, like we talk about the realness and like yeah. something that stood out from our first chat was you mentioning a well-being first economy. And yeah. I think this hey, all... we've pinched that. Don't worry about no, that. We've been saying that to everyone. Don't worry Go, boys, go. You go and for I the pinch. That, I might pinch part... myself. Yeah, Frankenstein, mate. Well, that, no, but that I think... Yeah, but I think, you know... Don't underestimate, I believe, especially for, you know, our kids, six, well, all kids, but 16 to 23, the stuff that you guys have had the courage to go and do, um, you know, understanding and loving all those different pieces of yourself, I think is fundamental to get back because, you know, one of the things, um, and I don't know if you felt like this, Rob, but I didn't love myself, man, you know, like I did not love myself and that was part of my mental health issue. I had to like me, warts and all. And so I was spending so much energy trying for people to like me that it was just draining me. So, you know, I think I think be good, do good, and have fun is easier said than done, right? You find yourself breaking your own rules, boys? Sometimes, but I think that if we're – I think it's easier from a business perspective, especially for the Wellbeing Network. If we're going to take on activities or do activities, they should be able to roll up in some way, shape, or form – to hit one or all the values. So I feel like if we are living outside those things, it's pretty obvious. Usually we'd be stressed. We might be overwhelmed. We might be having to cut an activity that we don't believe fits under that stuff. And I think having them there as something for us to refer back to, not as just words on a wall, but something that we actually believe in, it's easy to have upfront and honest combos because we can direct it back to why we're doing stuff. Mm. And being better, being better and doing good and like not living the thing, like 100% we get stressed all the time. And it's about, I think it's about centering ourselves and going back to that to help us get back to a point where it's better rather than that's the answer. You know what I mean? Like everything, we, we break it all the time, but it's about getting, it helps us get back, you know? Yeah, I think I was talking, um, so I have a AAA battery, right? Because we talk about, and I'm going to ask you guys a little later on, so don't need to answer now. You know, how do you know when you're in your growth? And we'll talk about that in a minute, but it's actually part of the skill is knowing when you're not in your groove. And I call it my AAA battery, right? And it's, I need to be aware, I need to acknowledge, and then I need to act on it. And yesterday, I was overwhelmed, people. Like, I was really, I was at the end of it. But I knew straight away that, should I need to get, I need to address this now. And I need to do something now and today. And then I've got a series of things, you know, then I said, well, I talk about dot and that, you've heard that. So when, when you guys are overwhelmed, when you're trying to help so many people with your communication skills, what are, what are some of the secrets? What do you do to make yourself get back? Well, I reckon one of the, the key things we do is when we show up, if we're recording pods or we're doing stuff, sometimes it's we know like that's us. It's our turn to show up and do the thing. So if either of us are having a hard day, maybe before we've hit record, we've still made a commitment to release that episode. So for us, we still try and do the best we can in that version. It's not about giving up and throwing the, the toys in so we can't do this. Mm. But we're very, like like we said, we've lived with each other long enough that if one of us is struggling, it's more like go and have an Arvo off. Locke will go and have his baths. <laughs> you know, and 3 p.m. baths on a Wednesday. He's not a fan, are you? You're no, I, I like the baths. Yeah. It's a good and for me, it's like uh, you mentioned the, the awareness point. I think mm. that's something that's really come over time by practicing like living in your feelings. Like you said this a lot, which is something you stood out. Like we're not made up of just all good feelings. You know, there's bad feelings in there too. That's part of being human. Feel everything. And yeah. you've got to feel everything because then you could acknowledge where you're at. And if you are acknowledging, I love your AAA reference because then you can make some, um, some mitigation steps or some actions in place to move you towards a better state of, <laughs> state of being. And oh. I think that's what the well-being stuff is about. It's not, you're never always going to be 100% happy. That's not life. But it's about being able to acknowledge where you're at and move things when you need to. Bringing it back, baby, you know? You mentioned another, a couple of words, um, which, which I thought were words that we need to use a whole lot more, especially when we're talking about disappointment in life. And that was grief and loss, right? You were talking about that, uh, right, when you talked about football, and I'd be interested in both your thoughts on it, because, you know, when I talk about um, when I lost my job as a rugby coach, when I sort of realised I was, actually not that good and I'd been 
doing 10 years of being pretty bloody average actually but um you know, I also say that failure has been my greatest teacher of all time. But one thing, you know, when my dad passed away, guys, you know, the first day I couldn't believe it. Like, I think he's going to sit up in his coffin and go, ha ha, you know, joked you, you know. And then the second day I sort of thought, oh, I haven't been a good son. You know, I've been away a lot. And then the third day, you know, I'm sort of going, oh, shit, we should have brought him back to life. You know, there's a whole, there's this whole grief loss and then acceptance. And then I sort of got through it. It's interesting that we talk about that around disappointments and things in our life that happen, like losing jobs or being scared to change. I'd be interested to, to talk to you both about how you think people should accept those emotions, because we just spoke about it, right? I, I've learned to sit with my emotions, anger, you know, grief, loss. How, how do you say to people, instead of ignoring those emotions and chasing or getting on the piss or whatever, how do you actually sit with them, boys? You want to one Sitting with emotions, I, I think it's something I've always learned, I think, and, and evolved. As I, I've never sort of, uh, I don't know if I've got a secret recipe. I think that's something that I'm constantly working on. And uh, especially with so many different things that we do and, and all the different juggling plates, it's, it's, very, it's very hard. I think sometimes we need to be emotional and I think that's part of the open and honesty. And that's how sometimes we... That's how we know what we really want. You know what I mean? When, we're, when we are yeah. emotional together. And we're not robots. You know? yeah. I think that, that sometimes you do go outside your, your barriers and you might, have to, you might have a period of being overwhelmed and that's okay. Or you might have a period where you're extremely happy for a period of time. That's okay too. And I think that mm. that's definitely a skill that I, am, I can safely say it's a work in progress and I feel like I'm gonna, I've got better at doing it, learning to live in the emotions, work through the different stuff. But sometimes if I sit in it too long, I can overthink and I can get trapped in the same thought cycles that go over and over and over. So I usually try and break it where I might be like, do, do a walk or do another activity that's outside of the things that stops me thinking too much about stuff because I, I can be an overthinker. But, but being a founder too, like you've got so many different things that you can focus. It's like if you were a painter, you'd have, you're working on eight different paintings at a time. So if one's sort of getting frustrating, you can sort of duck to the other one and sort of take <laughs> your mind off. and Becoming a new dad too. So I've got yeah. a little five-month-old baby girl and like pressures attached with running your own business becoming a dad for the first time doing stuff it's been it's emotional yeah, i'm not gonna lie it's been it's been probably one of the most taxing things we've i've ever done mm. but i feel good because you always feel good when you've put in some work even if you haven't had the outcomes you know you've done the work and the 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 relationship now that you've got a young fellow how, how do you how do you understand lock and and give him time when he might need it. how do you do that together because i believe work has completely changed people like you know um COVID has taken a lot of shit away from us but it's given us a couple of good things it's put well-being on the agenda and i keep saying unless the leaders of the future are going to be well-being leads right that's how you're going to get productivity but then this new way of living and working we still the biggest question business people asking me is, wow, how do we do that? You know? So how do you um, actually communicate and not look at business traditionally? It's not nine to five, eh, guys? Because you get shit done, right? You get nothing done. Nah, nah. That's the thing. That's, we, we just, I think it's, uh, I don't, what would you say? Oh, I, I reckon that you're 100%. Work's changed forever. Yeah. But the hard part is I think that there's like structural embedded things that still are going to take maybe another generation to come out, whether it's traditional leadership styles, whether it's business models that are attached to different things, whether it's even CBDs where companies have rental properties where they want their people to come back to work and because they're paying for spaces. So there's lots of things that we're working through now, but I, I love the fact that COVID's accelerated that change for people to be treated more like people. And I, I heard this really, we recently did a series with Seek and, and one of the, the things that stood out for me is, is people now in workplaces there's so many options if you're want a new job and i think businesses have got to value more that they've got to turn up and provide a workplace that attracts the right type of people it retains the right type of people it develops them it treats them like people first you've got a quote like clarity creates self-management and you've got to trust them to do their thing you're trusting them to come and work at your company well give them the trust don't micromanage don't look over their shoulder and don't let them not do personal branding activities, not do learning and development, get out of their way and let them do their work. And I think 
the challenge I see... Freedom to fail. Freedom to fail. But yeah. I, I, the challenge I do see now, though, is that we're not completely... That transition hasn't finished. And there's a, I reckon there's a conflict between employers and, and employees who the employees love the COVID life because they're working from home, they've got way more freedoms, they're spending more time with their family, less commute, less all this it's other like stuff. It's like a pay rise and then asking, oh, you can't have that next year. But employers yeah. have less power, less control, less visibility on what they're doing day to day. They've got business models that might need to be adapted, so they're still trying to figure out how it works. And I think it's cool because it means that new companies like ours who started remote first can pop up and make a difference. But I feel like we're going to be in this state of flux until everyone gets on board with the future ways of working. But it's one of those things I, I do think it's going to take time. And the big players you can see, especially even here in Australia, they're really pushing to get people back to the CBD and get back to work. And I just think, why? I was living in Torquay, having travelled to Melbourne. So in Australia, that was an hour and a half train either way. Three hours a day travel every day away from my, my family. But I'm doing the same work now. Why do I have to come back? For certain things yeah. and certain projects, I think like the hybrid thing of like, there's different working environments where you need to be collaborative and stuff like that. And I think the healthy respect of it, times have changed. And yes, we require you for certain things in here and there, but it's just going to be flexible. There's open. a new balance that hasn't yeah. been established yet. It's still pushing back and forth. But I do think that employees need to give a bit of give because their life's now that if they're in, they have a luxury of having a job where they can work remotely, then their life's, they've got a lot of extra pleasures back in their life. And I think that they can do some trade-offs back the other way to make, the business that's paying their bills be transitioned through this period rather than a hard cutoff. Tell me what you're excited about, guys, work-wise. What's, what's really exciting? You're doing a lot of new stuff. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh, for me, it's, it's, it's the new stuff. So I think if we were just sort of doing the same thing over and over again, it'd get pretty repetitive and, and boring. So we like to shake things up. For us, we've reformatted our podcast, so we've got different shows now. Uh, we want to showcase different things. It's all from the feedback from the community, and we're trying to really craft uh, something that is just for the people listening. And uh, I don't know, for me, it's just about constant evolving, um, getting all interesting guests on and learning about what they do and how they do it. And I think one of the biggest lessons that we've had, you said it quite a bit, is there's all these different paths to success, you know? So it's, it's cool hearing uh, stories uh, uh, like that and having guests a part of the show so I think that's what I that's what sort of gets me going and, and gets we're, me. we're doing a bit of work with um so the Wellbeing Network we produce other podcasts outside of just funny business and we do a bit of work with a pro surfer named Cooper Chapman who runs a uh, social enterprise called the Good Human Factory where he does mental health workshops for for kids at school and um we look after his podcast called the Good Humans uh which is him having interesting stories sharing openly around um gratitude and meditation techniques and helping people take control of their mental health for all that really, really at-risk age, age bracket of people in schools. And um, being involved, I'm, I'm excited to work alongside him and, and see his podcast continue to grow because I like, I like, community, I yeah. like the community he's building and I love the work that he's doing. And I feel like you, you should definitely meet him, JK. He, he, he speaks the same language. I'd love to. Um, tell me what, what's your been your biggest challenge lately and can be sitting with an emotion or a business challenge that you've that you've been clunky with and how do you resolve it? Mine's learning to be a dad and run a business. So like straight up, our business, we bootstrapped our business. So when Matilda was born in December, we've, we've been living with a month, two months ahead in cash flow. So we don't have a run rate that allows us to go and explore things for a while. We need things to be constantly landing, things constantly moving. And I guess the challenge for me was that I didn't get much time off. I had a safe job where I would have had four months paid paternity leave. And instead I worked for myself and went to work the day after M got back from the hospital. And I, I juggling constantly the business challenge of, am I being a good business founder? And am I doing the right thing here? And am I doing the right thing by my family and my and with my wife and my baby child where I don't want to miss out on that family time. So my biggest challenge at the moment is I've got lots of my plate and finding where to allocate my time. I like that. That's a, I, I don't know how I compete with that. I just think uh, challenges for me is everything's new. So in a way, it's really exciting and I'm working on new things and I'm learning new things all the time, but it's still a challenge every day, you know? So it's still something that I might not have done or might not know as much about, but diving headfirst into that, constantly challenged. And I feel like 
We've sort of accepted that though, knowing that we've gone in and gone, we're just like professional problem solvers now. So that's just the way it is. But I think it's the same thing. It's like, what for? At the end of the day, you're going that some things get really hard and you, and you do question things and you're going, like when you say, when you're around family and stuff, it sort of reminds me of like, this is what I'm doing it for. You know, like this should, is- Should this we just is, go pour beers and yeah. make old toaster sandwiches? That yeah. sounds like a nice life. Like, and, and oh no, people might not say that, but that them thoughts always go through. We're so resolute in what we're doing and we're so passionate about what we're doing, but we're not going to lie and say those thoughts don't go through our head. I think they're sort of healthy to have perspective because <laughs> it's good to look at things and, and address things like that. And uh, I don't know, like, I just think, it's just a broad, broad challenges for me. And, and the time and balance is a, is a good one too. It's like, yeah, why? Like I, I look at my family and, and for them, it's all about spending time with each other and connection. Well, and the Bradfords have got a rule, don't they? Yeah, four day work week. So for me to sort of branch out and because they're all about like living together and, and just knowing everything about each other and just having that real family vibe. And for me, I'm sort of a little bit of the outlier where I, like, I never used to be. I never, I was never a workaholic or anything like that. I never really wanted to be. But coming through to this, I was like, I can't stop doing it. This is what I want to do all the time. And I suppose that uh, not pushback or anything. They support everything I do. But it's, I suppose it's just doing something a little bit different is challenging sometimes. It's not really work, eh? It's just what you get excited about, you know? Mate, that's the thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not, uh, not waking up today and we've got a podcast with you today. I'm like springing out of bed i'm like <laughs> i'm skipping to the coffee shop like i don't know but it, it, it not all days are like that though you know and I, it, it does become hard and we do question things a lot and i think it's healthy but we all know why we always come back to why we do it and stuff like that and that's what gets us through so new dad i bet you it's very different to what everyone told you it was going to be like so there's going to be a whole lot of new dads out there trying to um trying to do what you're doing so what would be even though you're new to it, what would you be your two biggest learnings you could share with someone? Uh, one, I'm a very lucky husband, JK. I've got, a, I've got a beautiful wife and she's an amazing mother. I thought you were going to say, we're a couple of <laughs> Yeah, that's all good. That's, <laughs> my, first, that's my first one. It's not a shirt, answer the question. <laughs> no, I, I think that one of the things I definitely like, all, all, all full transparency. My wife and I tried for over 12 months to get pregnant. So we felt like we were, we had that struggle of like, when is this ever going to happen for us? Is this thing that's going to actually, we really, really wanted to be parents. And we felt like we were prepared in, in the sense that we tried for ages. It was something that it was really, really planned. And then when it came, it's still, no one's prepared me for just, it's just life is so different and everyone's kept saying that, but it really is like, I'm not important anymore. M's not really that important. The only real thing that's really important is Matilda and our security and our, and, and what we do for, for life. And I don't, I don't know. Everything's sort of slowed down, which I like because we, a little toddler can't, she doesn't, she's a, at the start, she's a blob. She can't roll over. She can't move anywhere. You can't go anywhere. All they do is sleep, eat and poo. So like, just a like you. Yeah. <laughs> just the thing I learned most, it's, it's, it is, everyone says it prepares you for stuff. But for us, we felt like we were prepared. We really wanted this. This was a intentional decision to have a kid and it still didn't prepare us for just the changes that it takes so much time, energy and bandwidth. And especially because I really, I want to be a good dad. That's, that's what makes me proud. What do you guys do to get in your groove? For me, uh, I do a couple of different things. To break it up, sometimes I, I have a bath just to chill out and just it sort of just resets me just physically. It just If I really need to just chill out, I'll have a bath. Cold water, no bubbles, yeah? No, cold water, no bubbles. Just seeing everything now. I bubble it up. <laughs> Essential oils now. I treat myself, JK. But uh, uh, another thing I do is on the weekends, I, I watch... What's that, sorry? You do, the, you do the candle thing as well or...? Yeah, I like the candles, mate. I, I, I do the whole thing. I put some uh, ambient music on and just float for, for about an hour. And just... You did work at a float tank place for a while. Well, I think that might be it. But another thing I do on the, on the weekends, I think... to. To, if I want to tune out, like obviously have the cold showers every day, I end with a really cold shower, like a minute, just so I can just switch off. Even if I'm super stressed, I'm like, oh, it's cold. You know, there's nothing else I can think about. And I think for me, another thing, one is sport, like watching watching the footy and the cricket on the weekend. It really snaps me out of it. If I've got so much work stuff on and I really need to just turn it off, it's it's a form of like meditation for me. So I'll just I'll watch the footy and just because uh, I'm so invested in the sport I, I'm interested it sort of just takes me away and I'm just I think I'm aware of that like I can't that's the that's the quickest thing that can just take me away 
Oh, I like cool. that. Yeah. What about you? M- mine, mine's surfing in the ocean. So walking the dog by the beach, going for a surf, getting in the water. Um, I, I, I even think like I've had it now, like I've, I've spending time, family time, I'm trying my best to be present, but there's times where I like to get away from technology and like we're in such a connected world now that if I'm sitting at home or I'm in things, we've got messages pinging all day, every day. It's not a nine to five job anymore, but if I'm out in the ocean, I'm, I'm out surfing. I don't have got my earplugs in. I've got no one to distract me. I've got no notifications coming up. I've got time to myself, time to think and process some stuff and, and work on your technique and just worry about, worry about catching waves. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's my groove. That's how I get in my groove. What are you reading right now, lads? Um, to be honest, we, we, we get a few, we've had a few authors on the podcast, so they've, they've sent us their book. Alira Potter's one's really good, but in, in terms of like reading them, I, I, I sort of like the people and I back the people who write the book. So I don't really read all the books that, that, you know, that are on the nightstand or whatever, but we've had, we've, most of them we've had on the pod and understand where they, and really respect what they do. And I think a lot of reading for us is articles for, uh, for our segments and shows. So we do a lot of like business news, obviously we do the commentary on that sort of stuff. So mm. we read a lot of articles and, and, and thought pieces and stuff like that. Yeah. I, to be honest, I'm not a, I haven't been reading anything lately. I went for a period there where I was like consuming as many books as I could. I loved audio books. So I'd listen to like, I'd listen mm. to like 1.5 times speed. And I was just trying to listen and absorb everything I could. And now that we're sort of in rhythm and doing our own thing, that reading, and we do a lot of content consumption, like Locke said in different formats so like that reading and absorbing stuff from books, probably not as much, but Tim Duggan just dropped a new book Killer called, called Killer Thinking. And uh, we had him on our pod a couple of weeks ago and he was one of the dudes who founded uh, Junkie Media here in Australia. So he has another book called uh, Cult Status. Yeah. So just think, I, I'm really into his thinking on like building community and how community can be leveraged to grow businesses. So Sean Ellis. Sean Ellis, Growth Hacking is another killer book. Um, James Clear, Atomic Habits, Cal Newport, Deep, yep. uh, deep Thinking, was it Deep, deep Work and uh, Digital Minimalism, love those two. And I think the biggest, honestly, a, a lifesaver for me has been uh, The School of Life. Uh, they've got The Book of Life, I think it is, if you just Google that, it's got all their articles and it's all emotional intelligence. So if you're having problems in your work or if you're having problems in your relationship or things that you're embarrassed to, or to, to talk about, there's so many different articles there that's very upfront and it's a real philosophical way of thinking and it just, that centres me heaps and they've got lots of cool books. What was that called? School of Life. Uh, School of Life. And the... Um, and that what to look it up on the internet, I think it's the book of life and there's all these different articles. So it's got, it's got, uh, great thinkers, great thinkers is a grouse one, because if I like to absorb information, like it's a, it's a new chapters, a new like thought leader. And it's what they sort of brought to the table in terms of, uh, history in the world. So Locke gave you a book called the good enough parent. Yeah. That was what he gave me yeah. when, I, when I found out that I was going to be a dad. He gave me a book called from the school of life called the good enough parent. I thought that was but I think funny. like emotional toolkits for people to sort of draw from is super important, especially like yeah. articles. Uh, cause that could be the first step for someone to even understand what they might be going through. If they don't, if they're not comfortable in talking to someone, they can read an article and go, a lot of people do go through this. This is something that's not, no, no it's just to me, I can actually reach out to people. So I felt that as like something that I always go back to. Yeah. And look, look, I think, one thing, one illusion that I had about life was, you know, you, you get good at something and then you're good, but it's not. And, and someone asked me the other day what a growth mindset is. And a growth mindset for me is every part of my life is always growing. I'm always, you know, having to break through different ground. And I think people need to realize that it's okay. You've got to keep growing and changing and it's okay to be not good at stuff. Do you guys actually listen to podcasts now that you... That now that you um, actually create them and have your own, or do you do you not? Um, I will. I the only sort of pods I would listen to uh, if we've got guests coming on and I sort of want to know a bit more information about something that they've said. But to be completely honest, because we do so, because we do pods five days a week, uh, we just don't really allocate any time to consuming anything sort of new. Which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I want to get to a point where. I want to consume more content because I think like we go through stages where we'll meet like for two years, we'd just be watching lots of stuff and sort of learning and then sort of going out there and practicing it. And then there might be something else that we want to learn and get back to. But for me, 
it's all about if I do listen to podcasts, it's like footy ones and stuff like that. It's got nothing to do with business. Yeah, or and I, I like, like more watching them more from like a structured perspective. So we can go and like see what people are doing with pods and how they're making a business out of it. How do they structure their shows? So looking at it more from like a, a business Touch lens points of pods for and like how, how they're yeah. doing stuff and always got like finger on the pulse. I see stuff, but listening to other things like Locke takes a piss out of me, but I don't even listen to our pods. Yeah, you know? so... so old Rob just has the conversation and I, because I, I, I do the editing, I don't mind it because sometimes it takes me uh, two times to absorb the information. <laughs> Who should I interview next? Who should you interview next? Oh, no. I reckon I got a, I got a grouse one for you. Matt Adekponya. Matt, Matthew Adekponya. He's a uh, head of Mills Media. So Paddy Mills, obviously superstar in the basketball space. Uh, Matthew Adekponya, he's, he's done a couple of documentaries. He actually done a documentary for the Gold Coast Titans uh, last year and released it on KO, but he's someone who's breaking the mould, doing things themselves. And if you're looking for any inspiration, go go follow him on Instagram and, and check out his story. He's doing some amazing, amazing Peter Bowles. Yeah, for former, former professional basketballer, wanted a career uh, in content and media and literally picked up a camera, taught himself the stuff. Landed deals. Worked with the Boomers. Worked, created, created the identity of the Boomers at the Olympics so actually people would care about the basketball team again. He's he done that from scratch. And, and on our pod, he went through, we've had him on twice, and he went through like detailing how we went about it. You know, He was one of those people, JK, that we talked early doors on the pod, and then two years later, he's doing all the things he said he was going to do. He said he wow. was going to do. And we're like, that blows my mind. I love that shit. Guys, this has been amazing. This is what I wrote down. For relationships, nip it in the bud straight away if there's some issues going on. Understand each other, trust each other. As a business model, you guys be good, do good, and have fun. Don't be scared to Frankenstein yourself. <laughs> Don't yes. forget, it doesn't matter what those pieces are, embrace them. Uh, make sure make sure that you are providing value, your values to your workplace. Um, and just from me, guys, that was an absolute pleasure. That hour flew by. I probably um, it normally feels like five minutes when when you do these and you're really engaged and loved it. So thanks for your time, lads. I know you're incredibly busy. You inspire me. I look for inspiration all the time. The way you do things, the way you care about well-being, um, I'm just really inspired to say that we're mates and we know each other and I will see you both in Melbourne soon. My shout. Oh, appreciate that, sir, JK. Honestly, like what you're doing, we, we speak about it all the time. Like, it's just amazing. And I think the world needs more people like you and what they're doing in the mission and stuff like that, because it is a, the well-being, the, the stuff that we're, because we're entrenched in it, um, people need people need the help and they need the tools and you know bless you for doing yeah, that and like trying to stay yeah. positive i know like this is a thing yeah. that i know we haven't talked about on today's thing but this is a problem that's going to be not just an economic problem it's a health crisis it's all sorts of stuff so for people trying to bring a bit of positivity and talk openly about the hardships i think that's the real value out of stuff so thanks again for thinking of us and we just can't we're stoked that we got it we got a guernsey and we're mates now so that's that's the best that's shit, you know we're there cool guys thank you This has been Open Minded with John Kuhn. Thanks for listening and don't forget to like and subscribe.